an evolution of how this match came to be of Yitzchak and Rivka together. Um, obviously, we know Adam and Eve were connected, were married, were apart, were a group, were a couple. We know that Avram and Sarah were a couple, but we don't read much about how they met and the significance of it and what happened. And so Yitzchak and Rivka, Isaac and Rebecca, are really the uh, the, the 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 first match that we read about, and um, that's what we're going to focus on tonight and comparing this story with some other uh, uh, instances throughout the Torah. So let's get right to the text. Um, source one, and Abraham said to his servant, the elder of his house, who ruled over all that was his, and he said, please place your hand under my thigh and I will adjure you by the Lord God of the heaven and God of the earth, not to take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, in whose midst I dwell. Instead, you shall go to my land and to my birthplace and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant took ten of his master's camels and he went with all the best of his masters in his hand, uh, all the best of his master in his hand. He arose and he went to Aram Naharayim, to the city of Nahor. He made the camels kneel outside the city because the well of water in the evening, I'm sorry, beside the well of water in the evening, at the time the young woman go out to draw water. And he said, and he says a prayer, um, and I'm not going to read it because we have a lot to cover tonight. Here is the important part. He had, this is a, again, another verse from the Torah. And the Torah, by the way, discusses the story at great length. And here is the one of the important uh, verses I want to focus on. He had not yet finished speaking. And behold, Rebecca came out. She was the daughter of Betuel, the son of Milka, the wife of Avram's brother, Nachor, and her pitcher was on her shoulder. Now the maiden was of a beautiful appearance, a virgin who no man had been intimate with. She went down to the fountain, she filled her pitcher and went up. The servant ran toward her, and she said, please let me sip a little water from your pitcher. And she said, drink, my lord. Etc. Etc. Um, we don't need to read again. I, I have here the, the 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 verses of at length, but I don't think we need to go over the story. Um, they continue and they discuss back and forth. He says, "Whose daughter are you?" And etc. Etc. And they go back and forth. The key the key point here um, is that while he was praying, he was still praying, and while he is still praying to God. He is answered, his, his, his request, his question of God is answered. Now let's take a look at a interesting, um, an interesting uh, piece of Midrash that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai makes a, uh, com he compares or contrasts rather between three different instances of three people that that reached out to God and were answered. He had not yet finished speaking, etc. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai taught three were answered with the prayer of their mouth. Eliezer, the servant of Avram, Moses, and Solomon. Eliezer, as the verse states, he had not yet finished speaking, and behold, Rebekah came out. Moses, as it is written, and it happened as he was speaking all these words, the earth opened up from under them. And Solomon, as it is written, and when Solomon had completed praying to the Lord, the fire descended from heaven. And as, as, a, as a quick refresher to our memory, what are the instances? We just spoke about 
about Eliezer finding a wife for, for Isaac. The story with Korach and Moses is, um, just to refresh our memory, Korach was this great leader who felt that it was not, um, it wasn't appropriate that there should be this hierarchy of Kohanim, Leviim, Moses. He felt we're all God's children. We should all be equal. We should all have equal access. And uh, and he and he took Moses to task. And Moses says, "Okay, let's see who who's right, and let's have a showdown between Aaron and Korach and 250 men. They they come, they face each other off with frying pans." And, uh, and 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 they offer uh, 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 incense to God, and uh, God makes a miracle, and the fire comes down and consumes Aaron's Aaron's offering versus the other two hundred and fifty men, and it was clear that that Aaron was was right, that Moses and Aaron were right, and God wants to wipe out all the Jewish people because they supported Korach and his rebellion, and Moses pleads and says, no, just. You can just punish the, the 250 men, not the rest of the Jewish people. And Moses asks God, instead of it being a natural death, it should be a miraculous death. Because if it was a natural death, they won't get the message. They won't get the perp, the perp, the point that they were wrong. And here's the, 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 the point, the verses. Let's read the verses. Moses prays to God. And Moses said, with this, you shall know that the Lord sent me to do all these deeds, for I did not devise them myself. If these men die as all men die, be following the same fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new creation, the earth opens its mouth and swallows them and all that is theirs, and they descend alive into the grave, you will know that these men have provoked the Lord. As soon as he finished speaking all these words, the earth beneath them split open. Okay. And then lastly, we have the story with Solomon, King Solomon. As we know, King David, and then the rest of the story with, with Korach and the 250 men is that the earth swallowed them up. What's the story with Solomon? As we know, King David very much wanted to build the temple, but he did not. He laid the foundations for it, but he didn't live to see the building. It was King Solomon. And then came that glorious day when they finished dedicating the temple and they brought the holy ark and there was a, a lot of fanfare and there was music and there was music playing and everyone was there. And then came the moment King Solomon offers a prayer and he asks God that God should rest in this home. And after he finishes praying to God, God sends down a fire onto the altar. Let's read the text inside and then we'll analyze what is going on here. When Solomon finished praying, the fire descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. The priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the house. All the children of Israel saw the descent of the fire and the glory of the Lord in the house and they kneeled on their faces to the ground on the floor and they prostrated themselves and said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his loving kindness is eternal. So what, what is, what is um, let's, let's understand this a little bit. We have three instances where people are praying to God and God is responding. Obviously, there are many more, but these three are pointed out to by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in this Midrash. But the interesting point here is that of these three instances, there is one nuance of a difference between Eliezer and Moses and King Solomon. And that is that Eliezer, it's while he's still praying 
He is in the middle of praying to God. And God is already answering him in midway of his prayer. And Moses and King Solomon didn't have that. It was when they finished praying, the scripture tells us, that after they finished praying is when the miracle happened. And the question is, what is the significance here? Why is, 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 this, is this so important of Eliezer that it's while he's praying to God that God is already answering him mid-prayer? And the question is even stronger because Eliezer was praying to God before the Torah was given. Moses and, and the story with Moses and the story with King Solomon was after the Torah had given. And what really changed when the Torah had given was given that we what is prayer? Let's talk about what prayer is about for a moment. The Hebrew word of prayer is tefillah. And one of the meanings of the word tefillah is to connect. To connect. And essentially, when we pray to God, very often, we're asking to connect God's blessing with that which needs God's blessing, whether it's a person that needs to be healed, or whether it's we want to have success in our business, or whether we want to have whatever the prayer that we're praying for is. Essentially, one of the ways of looking at it is we want to connect the blessing of God with this item, this physical item in this world, this physical circumstance, this physical situation, to have God's blessing expressed in a revealed way. And Eliezer was praying to God before the Torah had been given. Before the Torah had been given, the spirituality, the godliness didn't impact this physical world. If a Jew did a mitzvah, he did a mitzvah, but it didn't change. It was only after the Torah was given that we now have the power to take skin of an animal and make a mezuzah and make a holy mezuzah or tefillin or tzitzit or, or, or transform what we come in contact with, the physicality, to make that into a spiritual a conduit for spirituality, for godliness. But before the Torah was given, that wasn't available. That, that, that wasn't our mandate. We didn't have that capacity to change. It was sort of godliness, and then there was the rest of the world, but there, there, there was no fusion. So how is it that Eliezer, before the Torah was given, is praying to God, and of these three important stories, it was Eliezer's that was answered midway. Perhaps we can understand this by appreciating what was this story all about, essentially. Meaning, what was actually happening with the, the wedding of Yitzchak and Rivka? What was so significant about this? And what was so significant about this union, this match of this couple, of Yitzchak and Rivka was, here you had Yitzchak, who was represented holiness, represented the future of the Jewish people. He was born in a miraculous way. He was circumcised at eight days old. He was born in a miraculous way when his mother was 99. And he represented everything of holiness and, and, and all of that. And, and Rivka, although she was also holy, but the surroundings that she came from, the environment that she was in was the opposite of holiness, as we'll see in a moment. This union of Yitzhak and Rivka was really laying the foundation for our very purpose of existence in this world, which is transforming everything that we come in contact with, taking every opportunity, every situation, every circumstance, and transforming it for another opportunity to bring godliness into this world. And so perhaps, perhaps because this, there was so much at stake of this union, there was so much 
There was so much importance in this relationship of Yitzchak and Rivka together that to show how significant it was, perhaps this is why God, in this story of the other two of the other two stories, in this story, God answered Eliezer's prayer midway. Let's take a look at the Rebbe's words. While the prayers of Moses and Solomon were also concerning matters of broad importance, they're incomparable to the prayer of Eliezer, which is the underlying principle of everything, the entire connection of above and below. This is the concept behind the connection between Torah and mitzvot and body and soul. This clarifies why the response to Eliezer's prayer was so quick. The subject of this prayer was the match between Isaac and Rivka, the union of Ma'oban. Ma'oban is two Kabbalistic um, references to the upper worlds, the higher worlds, and the lower worlds. Because this matter is of such cardinal importance, it needed to be achieved with alacrity. This is why Eliezer's prayer was answered before he even completed it quicker than the prayers of Moses and Solomon. There's another interesting point to the story that 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 contributes to this to this main point that we're discussing here. Why was it necessary for Avram to send Eliezer to this place called Haran, which is not the best environment? I mean, there were other options. Yes, he didn't want his son to marry a daughter from the land of Canaan, from the Canaanites, but there were other places he could have sent. Why did he send to Charan? What kind of place was Charan? Let's take a look. The Midrash tells us, just as a reminder, right? Her father is a swindler and her brother is a swindler and the people of her place are also like this. This righteous woman that comes from among them, what can she be compared to? She is like a rose among the thorns. And so the question is why? Why would Avram send Eliezer to find a match for his pure son Yitzchak. One of the things about Yitzchak was he never left Israel. He was this pure soul that never left Israel. Others, other of the of the of the vote of our forefathers, they did leave Israel. He never left Israel. So what's the message here? What's the point? The match between Isaac and Rivka occurred after Akedat Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac as a sacrifice. This means that in addition to the great level Isaac had reached as a result of the midst of circumcision, he now had the added level reached by his willingness to be a sacrifice. Isaac had been on a very advanced spiritual level even before the Akedah. Rashi describes this when he writes that Isaac understood that he was going to be slaughtered, yet he went along with his father willingly and joyfully. This was before the actual Akedah, illustrating the high level he had already achieved earlier. Even simple and learned people know about the great spiritual level Isaac achieved as a result of the Akedah, because we mention the merit of the Akedah many times in our prayers. In the prayers of Hashanah, we say, compassionately remember the sacrifice of Isaac today for his descendants. We also mention the Akedah in our daily prayers and add supplications on non-festival days before and after it, asking that God remember the merit of the Akedah for the Jewish people. After Isaac reached such a high level, Avram sent Eliezer outside Israel, which was a great descent. And the land of Israel was holy already at that time, as evidenced by the fact that Yitzhak was cautioned not to go down to Egypt because he was a pure sacrifice, and outside the land of Israel was unfit for him. And here is the punchline, friends. It was specifically from outside Israel, Haran, 
that Eliezer was to bring a wife for Yitzchak. Rivka had to be taken from the lowest place where she had been like a rose among the thorns and brought to Yitzchak specifically from this place. This means that even though Yitzchak was on such a high level that he was forbidden from leaving Israel, nevertheless, Eliezer was sent by Avram to bring a wife for him specifically from outside Israel. This can be understood based on the above, that the match of Yitzchak and Rivka was the union of Ma'oban, the connecting of the higher realm and the lower realm, and this is why Rivka had to be brought from a specifically outside Israel, a lowly place. A practical lesson from the above, the Rebbe concludes, when we know and feel that we are in exile, a very dark state, we might wonder how we can possibly fulfill our mission in this world, observing the Torah and mitzvahs in such a dark state of exile. It is specifically difficult to do this with joy as we are commanded to. The story of Eliezer teaches us that there is a precedent for this. When Avram sent Eliezer outside Israel to an exile-like state, he had his prayer answered even before he completed it. This response was quicker than even that of Moses and Solomon. The teacher, this teaches a lesson for every Jew in exile. There's no reason to be disheartened by our being in exile. Not only are our prayers answered quickly by God, they're even answered before we complete them because we are descendants and inheritors of Avram. Despite the fact that exile is a great descent and despite our awareness of where we really stand in our divine service, we must go about our service joyfully with the knowledge that we will be answered by God before we even finish to ask. So to sum it up, we have two, two points. There is the point that we just read that the Rebbe said that a Jew has to remember that when we are doing the will of God, God will respond to us. And even before we finish the prayer, and in addition to that, to appreciate the fact that sometimes we may find ourselves in a place, in an environment that feels like haram. We can feel like we are in a place where we're surrounded by people that are not don't have the best intentions necessarily. Or even, it doesn't matter where, you're, you're in an airport, you're at a sports game, you're in a nurse's room, wherever you are, you have an opportunity to fulfill the purpose of creation, and the purpose of for which you were put here in this world, which is that marriage of Yitzchak and Rivka, representing the fusion of Yitzchak, representing Israel, and Rivka, who was herself a thorn, but she was coming, uh, I'm sorry, herself a rose, but she was coming from amongst the thorns. And this, this union, this fusion of holiness, of godliness, of the upper worlds with the lower realms was, was, was a, uh, a trailblazing concept in when, they got, when they married, when, when that shidduch took place, when that match took place. But today, after the Torah was given, we have the power, we have the energy, we have the mandate from Hashem to continue to find opportunities to make that connection, to, to bring spirituality, to bring godliness into wherever we come in contact with, not to be affected or disheartened by our surroundings and realize that sometimes, again, within context, because we can't take this out of context and, and you know, a Jew can't eat pork and say, I'm going to bring godliness to the pork because the God that you want to bring to the world tells you you can't eat pork. 
But as long as it's something that is within the context of Jewish law permissible and, and, and we're allowed to do, when we are in a situation, you're not in the best environment, you're not in the most Jewish or holy environment, but you have the opportunity to do what Avram sent Eliezer to go connect Yitzhak and Rivka. You have that opportunity to do that right now, to take this moment, take this people that you're, that you're with, take this opportunity, take this bachelorette party, to take this, whatever it is that you're involved with, and bring meaning to it, bring purpose to it, bring holiness to it, just like the, the union, the marriage of Yitzhak and Rivka. And again, remember that when you do that, Hashem answers your prayers even before you finish speaking, before you finish praying. Have a blessed night and a good rest of the week. It's great to see everybody. And all the Thank best. Thank you, Rabbi. You're welcome. Wonderful, Rabbi. Wonderful.